You're listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Here are your hosts, Fran Chismar and Tom Knezic. Welcome back to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast presented by Pinelands Nursery. I am Fran Chismar. And I'm Tom Knezic. Welcome to episode 154. And uh, we got a really interesting one today. I'm excited about this one. It was – it, it kind of was spawned from a comment on our Facebook group uh, mm-hmm. after the the landmark – when we had Dr. Groffman on, he wanted to talk about the, the HOA case. What was it? They fought the lawn and they won. And the yeah, they fought the lawn and the lawn lost. Yeah, and the lawn yeah. lost. That's it. So, Which was a, a couple in Maryland who who basically took on their HOA and uh, and eventually got rules changed so they were able, allowed to grow a more wild uh, native plant landscape in their yard. And um, but that's not everyone's experience. That's just one experience. <laughs> There's thousands of experiences out there, and I would imagine as the tides shift and people are becoming more ecologically focused that this is going to be more of an issue. So, um, you know, this is just the beginning, uh, but many people have had long battles and, and those are kind of been silent. So that's where we thought we could come in. Yeah. So we had a listener that reached out on, on our Facebook kind of giving their perspective. And we said, this would be a great story to share on the podcast uh, to kind of know that, if you want to do this, if you live in a, an HOA uh, community, uh, it might not be as easy as some people make it out to be, and they want to share some of their experiences. So, Melinda, I'd like you to, to introduce yourself and kind of start your how you got into native plants and what inspired you to, to start using them in your yard. Uh, thanks, uh, Tom. So, um, my name is Melinda. I... I've always really been into kind of wildlife and the, I think everybody, including myself, was really surprised surprised that I didn't end up getting a degree and going to a career um, in the environment somehow. Um, but when, when I started to try to learn how I could get more wildlife in my yard um, and when I um, had kids, was pregnant and had kids, started to learn, try to learn about how what are the choices that I can make that it can be healthier for me? What can be healthier for the planet? And they, they all really come together. And, and so I learned that the best thing to do to get wildlife into your yard was to plant native plants. I can't say I didn't know anything about plants before that, nothing at all. And um, so I looked, the first resource I think I looked at was the National Wildlife Federation and getting your yard certified. Um, And that's, and that's where I started. Um, And in our old house, the yard was beautifully landscaped about four years before we bought it. Um, and then it had been gone through a couple owners and they had an irrigation system installed, which was now defunct. And, um, without that landscaping or sorry, excuse me, without that irrigation system, um, all of the plants started to die. Um, they had these beautiful hydrangeas and all the stuff. And, and I was looking into it and, and, and realized that, you know, that was part of the reason. And, um, there was no way I could put that amount of effort into my yard at that time. You know, first I was working and then I had little kids. And so when I found out that not only are native plants good for the wildlife, but that in in some ways they are less maintenance, um, I was really all in. Um, So that's, that's really how I got started. It's, it's amazing for if, when you see those beautifully manicured 
non-native lawns. It's it's unbelievable if you haven't done the work how much work it is mm-hmm. to maintain that because it is unnatural. It's the watering, the fertilizing, all that, it's like or an irrigation system, all these things that are needed because you're trying to fix an unnatural ecosystem that you created. It's a lot of work. Like I, I don't know that I, I have that kind of commitment <laughs> to, to doing that, but I, I guess maybe we should start just in what part of the country, what state do you live in um, and and – how long have you been in the, the property that you're in now? So I'm in uh, Northern Virginia, which is not what most people think of when they think of Virginia. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think of Virginia as kind of this rolling hillside, and a lot of it is. But up here in Northern Virginia, we're in what we call the DMV, which is the D.C. metro, right? So um, D.C., Maryland, Virginia. Um, and it's a lot of suburbs. And um, this house, we've been here for um, just about 10 years now. And it was actually, when it was created, was one of the very first HOAs in the area. Um, and, uh, in fact, there's a, a Washington post article from the nineties written about, um, this HOA, which is kind of funny because it was one of the first ones. Um, and we knew it, it had an HOA when we bought it and we read the rules and they seemed, they seemed pretty lax. We spoke to people that lived here and everybody told me, yeah, no big deal. Um, it's fine. Um, and it actually is bordered by a really wonderful park system that was created because to be a riparian buffer. There's a stream that kind of runs and really borders the whole neighborhood. And there's, it's just bordered on three sides by nature and then on a highway on the other side. Um, and that the trails were great. We love that. So, um, yeah, when we moved here, um, we had, like I said, come from another house nearby that had a lot of um, wildlife in the yard and also had an HOA, which was basically didn't do anything. So, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I, 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 when I lived in Delaware in the mid 90s, I was part of an HOA and the HOA didn't really do anything. They just wanted to make sure your dogs weren't barking in the middle of the night <laughs> and that you paid your dues for snow yeah. plowing and things yeah. like that. Other than that, they really didn't care. You know, and I with, think that's re- really what started people on HOAs is like, let's all be good neighbors. Um, but, you know, one of the things that they wrote up in that article about this HOA is that one of the rules that's written in is that you can't have a clothesline. Interesting. Yeah. And that really, really rubs me the wrong way because, you know, yeah. dryers use a lot of a lot of energy. Right. And mm-hmm. what's the best way to dry your clothes? So yeah. anyway, <laughs> yeah. that that's, a, I think, a little more common. I, I believe that was one of the original rules of Levittown, Pennsylvania, that there were no clotheslines. Mm-hmm. Because they didn't like okay. that that visual, yeah, uh, yeah, in yeah. there. So it's yeah. it's just amazing, and and that was back it's, at the time, which which I'm sure to have a to even have a dryer <laughs> was challenging, right, uh, right. Uh, um, so what was the ecological state of the property when you purchased it? What was your state of mind at that point when you were looking at it? Um, yeah. So, um, like I said, I had just started to educate myself. My kids were one and three. Um, so the, the, and I would say the people that lived in this house before us did what I did, which was basically what I call benign neglect, right? They didn't really do anything, but they weren't doing a lot of inputs into the yard either. So the backyard was completely wooded, I think just from lack of, lack of care, which was, which was fine. Um, and so one of the first things that I learned was, you know, what does poison ivy look like? And, (laughs) and, uh, and how do you get rid of that? And, um, so we actually, I was, you know, I really had started to learn about it, but I just didn't get it yet. Cause when we looked at this property, one of the downsides in our mind was that there was no lawn in the back. What, what were, how are our kids going to play? What were we going to mm-hmm. do? And so we did consider cutting down the trees and, and, and 
ultimately did not. And, and now we have, you know, this fairy tale of a backyard. It's completely shaded and, and the kids can play underneath and we find bugs and, you know, we're looking for all worms and things like that. Um, and so that was just kind of, kind of my, my starting point was like, how can I, how can I not make it worse? How can I, how can I not put chemicals on, you know, what's, what's going to happen? Mm-hmm. Um, and so then after, <laughs> um, after a while, um, I decided let's, let's do a Monarch way station. That was when the, the Monarch watch program was really getting going. Um, and that was just a couple of years after we moved in and Again, my yard is completely shaded. Everything is shaded with with the exception of that sidewalk strip, which a lot of people call the hell strip out yeah. front. <laughs> yeah. And um and so I was like, okay, cool. Well, a lot of people in my neighborhood have what I call mailbox gardens, right? Like little gardens out by their mailbox and then sometimes on the other side of the driveway. Um and I thought, well, that'd be a great place for for a pollinator patch. And so um my cousin actually is lives um on the eastern shore of Maryland and does wild um, playgrounds. She, it's okay. called Wild Child. She creates, you know, basically uh, like my backyard, but on purpose yeah. for school oh, kids. Nice. Very cool. That's a great and concept. She, yeah. And so she said, she told me, hey, listen, pick a color scheme, something simple, one or two colors, um, pick a small spot and, and just get started. And that's what I did. So I did the sheet mulching in about four mm-hmm. by four bed on either side of my driveway, bought, bought a bunch of plants from my, you know, local garden center and, and, and plugged them in. And um, the very first year on my Asclepius tuberosa, I had uh, monarchs and it was just, it was just absolutely amazing. And cause you know, they tell you that tuberosa is not really their favorite. So to, mm-hmm. to have it there, you know, um, was just that I was off and running. Right. And so, um, then when a few years later, the water company came and had to dig up like, you know, a fifth of our front yard, I Mm -hmm. thought this is serendipity. (laughs) Let me just go ahead and replant this with, you know, natives instead of doing, um, turf grass. And so I expanded that sidewalk strip bed. I want to say, um, I had done, little strips like the cues to care that they talk about, right? Like the mode strips in between. But I think all told I had, I want to say 25 feet out in front. Okay. And then I, and then I did, um, a, a shade bed underneath my maple tree. Um, and then, uh, <laughs> I, I had, um, I, I guess just kind of flown under the radar up until that point. So yeah. I, I was going to ask like with, with the backyard being wooded, that, that posed no issues. No one had a, a problem with that because it was in the back. No. Like did your neighbors like, my the three the three neighbors kind of behind us we all have the same situation the guy mm-hmm. behind me i say he also goes by benign neglect but for a different reason um my and then actually my next door neighbor on the other side when we first moved in um <laughs> she was very supportive she already had an nwf side in her front yard for okay. the you know garden for wildlife she was very anti hoa had had some run-ins herself um had not done well with the neighbors that that lived in the house before us. Um, and both she and the gentleman behind me told me multiple times, no one bothers to fill out those forms to make the landscape changes. It's, it's pretty uncomfortable. You have to go, every time you make a change, you have to go around to every homeowner that might be affected by your decision and just let them know that you're putting in an application. And so if you're like me and you're constantly putting in a new flower bed or changing your stuff, you know, I'm knocking on their door at least once a year and wow. getting them to sign yeah. stuff. And, and so after the first few times of doing that, my neighbors were like, listen, nobody does this. Why? I don't know why you're bothering. So, so I stopped (laughs) and, um, 
Uh, so, but then my neighbors on the other side, she worked for the Piedmont Environmental Council. Mm -hmm. Um, so really, um, the, was really felt very welcoming. Nobody, you know, nearby said anything to me. I think everybody was happy to see that I was out, you know, they were out working on your yard, right? You you want to see people making progress, making changes. So really from the beginning, I felt, I felt really comfortable. I felt no problems. So where, where does it go wrong? Where (laughs) I was going to phrase that a little different and say, and then what happened next? (laughs) (laughs) Because apparently it's it's COVID's fault. I was going to ask, like, what was the 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 straw that broke the camel's back? Like there had to have been something where someone's like, all right, enough's enough. Can I can I just cut in first and ask? And was did you get any positive feedback with those initial things you did? Yeah. So, so I had put out a Monarch Way Station sign and I had put out a Xerces Society sign and I even got little signs that say, you know, moss flocks and, you know, a, a butterfly weed or whatever. Um, and we got a lot of people stopping, especially after the signage went up saying, oh, I didn't know what you were doing out here, but now I get it. Right. Mm-hmm. Which and is what they tell you to do. Yeah. Signage is an yeah. important part just so it, it makes people part of the conversation without you having right. to knock on their door. Yeah. And and, you know, my husband, it happened more often to my husband than to me, which I don't really understand. But people would stop him and say, hey, we love we love what you're doing out here. And he was always like, oh, it's my wife. I, you know, I'd have everything to do it. He wanted to make sure I had all the credit for it. Um, so, yeah, a lot of positive he, feedback. He knew what was going to go down. Yeah. All right. Now we, now <laughs> we can get in the, yeah. we can get <laughs> no. the negative stuff. No, it's, it's, uh, <laughs> no and it's not negative. No. It's just a narrative. It, but it's, it is nice that you were getting positive. And I'm mm-hmm. sure if you're getting all that positive fees, feedback, it's encouraging to do more. Absolutely. It's like, oh, people are noticing this is really doing good. You're seeing fantastic results and you want to keep, I mean, that's, that's part of it. Like you, you get the bug and you want to keep going. Like you see Mm -hmm. how much more good can I do? Yeah. And, you know, when we talk to Benjamin Vote, and like he always shows pictures of, of the meadow on his property. and, Mm -hmm. And we've asked like, how many minds have you changed in your development? He's like, oh, none. They all, mm-hmm. they're all angry mm-hmm. still. Like, so it's just nice that you were, yeah. you started with positive feedback. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I have had people that, you know, uh, you know, I'm skipping ahead in the story here, but when I had to take out a lot of my plants, I posted, we have a lot of great local Facebook groups. And so I posted, and I mean, I had people cl- crawling over themselves to come get, to come mm-hmm. get these plants, you know, and take them. And I made a lot of, you know, friends and, and, uh, there's a lot of people in my neighborhood. We, this is, a, I don't know how big usual HOAs are, but like, you know, ours is about 1400 houses. So there's a lot of people. That wow. That's pretty big. Wow. I was going to ask that. I wasn't sure how many, 1400 is pretty, pretty yeah. large. Yeah. So yeah. it's, and it's, I was trying to think of what's the, the one plant community that's more ecologically. Is it Ruston in Ruston, Virginia? So there's a, there's sure. actually, that's actually, you know, a good point. In my uh, in Northern Virginia, we've got quite a few. Um, uh, Mike, uh, sorry, John McGee, uh, oh, who we've mm-hmm. had on the show yeah. before, right? So he's worked a lot in Ashburn. There's m- multiple neighborhoods in in Ashburn um, uh, that work with the Loudon Wildlife Conservancy, and and he's managed some of those. Um, Reston, since the '70s, I think was. Oh. Um, but I'll tell you that I someone reached out to me who lives in Reston, um, and said, "Listen, I'm having a problem with my HOA. What should I do?" Right? So, oh it, wow, it, it, yeah. Um, so, so what's what was the first inclination that something uh, was so, happening? So I've I've definitely made some mistakes. I want to own my <laughs> my missteps on this. Um, I there was a bone set that volunteered in that front strip, and I didn't know what it was. Um, and, and there's like you know five different kinds of bone sets. This one turned out to be like a nine foot tall 
uh, phone set yeah. that fell over into the street. Um, and I left it because it, the bees were just all over it. And I was like, I'm going to, as soon as it's done flowering, I'm going to take it out. Um, and at the same time, you know, it was, this was 2020, the kids were home um, and the black eyed Susans, you know, did their thing and were just everywhere. And then, you know, it didn't rain for a while. And so we had these kind of brown stocky looking things. It didn't look great. Um, but I really, really bought into the idea that let's see how our garden, your garden moves around. How does it shape itself? What does it want to be? And again, as I hadn't had any pushback, I hadn't had any negative comments from anyone. Those had all been kept to themselves. Um, I was just kind of letting it do its thing and seeing what was going to happen. Um, but that was apparently that was the straw that I, it was that bone set, I guess. Um, and so that's when I got, that's when I got the first, the first letter. Um, and I told them, you know, I wrote back and I said, listen, I'm really sorry. I recognize, I, I, I explained what I was doing. I said, this is why I left it. I've taken it out. I've cleaned up the black eyed Susans. Um, and you know, I will, uh, we'll make sure that I keep this under control. Um, but you know, the, the blanket policy that they have in place here is that you, any change that you make has to be approved and and this hadn't been approved. So, um, they said you have to put in an application. So I did eventually put in an application for it and I explained everything, you know, the Monarch Way Station, the Doug Tallamy, like I had this whole long thing. And in retrospect, now that I am actually part of that board, um, I can see they probably didn't read it at all. They, they, yeah. it was too much information. It was, yeah. it was way too much. Um, and I had tried to explain what my grand plan was for it. And that was, it was all the wrong, the wrong approach. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, there was really no way for me to know that going into that. Um, and so again, I explained everything and I, and I was just absolutely sure that as soon as I told them what I was doing and why that they'd be like, Oh, of course we get it. Like, and I figured they wouldn't want it to be the way exactly the way it was, but that we would have a conversation and we'd mm-hmm. figure it out. How can I yeah. do this, you know, together with you? Uh, got a flat now. Absolutely nothing. The entire thing had to come out and be grass, um, which I was just shocked because, wow. like I said, plenty of other people in my neighborhood have those mailbox driveway gardens. Um, uh, in my neighborhood, only um, one side of the street has sidewalks. So that does change it a little bit because, you know, you could argue, well, if you don't have a sidewalk. But again, lots of people had them. So just absolutely shocked. So I went and appealed to the, board, the the big board, the overseeing board. And um, ironically, coincidentally, unhappily, I'm not really sure, right at the same time, the um, I had posted in our neighborhood Facebook group, our, we have a Plant Virginia Natives campaign in our state and there's little sections. So Plant Nova for Northern Virginia Natives is very active and they're doing a really, really great job. Um, and they had a tree rescue campaign. And so I had just been sharing their information. And so one of the board members reached out to me and said, hey, will you come and give a presentation on trees? Because they had been having a lot mm-hmm. of problems with losing trees to the ash borer and all kinds of stuff. And he really wanted someone to come and talk to them about it. And I was like, well, you know, what exactly are you looking for? Are you talking just native, you know, just the trees, native plants? And he said, whatever you want, come in, talk about it. So um, it just accidentally happened to be the same night that I had to go in and do my appeal. Um, and so I went in and I did this 15 minute presentation and it went for 45 minutes because I had so many questions from the yeah. board and it felt wow. really welcoming. They were in- interested um, with a couple exceptions, um, really, really kind of enthusiastic and, and, and supportive. And so that happened. And then I had my appeal, you know, which I, I tried very hard to delineate the two in the meeting so they wouldn't get confused. And um, I felt really confident. They asked me no questions about my garden. And I was like, great, this means that they're they're on board. I get a letter three weeks later. 
flat no, 100%, don't do it. And wow. take it out right now in January. And I had a foot, it, it was one of those weird ice storms. We almost never get snow down here, but we had one of those weird ice storms. So we had like a foot of ice and snow sitting on those beds. And I wrote back and I said, I can't put grass seed in right now. There's ice, it's January. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I said, and I will be putting in another application. I'm going to make some changes. I'm really looking forward to working with you, compromising. Let's see what we can figure out. Can I Can I ask and, one question? Were you yeah. doing the no cutback at that point? Did you have the perennial yeah. stems up? Okay. Yeah. And I was going to wonder. Ex- I was going to yeah, wonder. I did if, explain it. All right. I was wondering if they saw that and they're like, oh, we don't want that. Yeah. And I think that is that was part of the problem, right, is that I had said in there, you know, 100 times, I'm willing to compromise. Let's talk. This is why I'm leaving the stocks. I'm open to a conversation. They didn't want to have a conversation with me. I, I this is this is the biggest sticking point for me is that no one said, Melinda, let's sit down and talk about this and figure it out. How can we work together? It was really just a absolute dictatorship kind of a thing, which they tell you it's not. I mean, that's one of the things that is is so fr- that I found so frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I had left the stocks, um, and they said, you have to take that out. So I did, I cut down all of the stocks at that time in, in January, as soon as the ice was gone. Um, and I put in another application. I said, listen, I've taken out the black eyed Susans. I've taken out all these things. Those are the ones that looked unruly. I'd really like to, you know, plant something. I suggested maybe it needs to be under two feet. Let's, you know, what, what could we, what could we work out? Um, and, the ARB again, so that's the Architectural Review Board, the first board. Okay. Uh, they said again, um, well, I went on, I did a whole big appeal, I did a 10 minute speech, Doug Tallamy, blah, blah, blah. And they said, we'll see what we can do. So they said, you can have two feet around your mailbox. And I thought, again, well, that's great. And if, if I was completely bucking the trend, I'd consider that a win. But like hundreds of homes in my neighborhood had way more than yeah. that. Bushes growing over their mail. I mean, just crazy stuff. So went back to the board and I said, listen, I, here's 200 pictures. You know, it took me days. I would drove around my entire day, but 200 pictures of other people doing this same thing that I'm doing. They just don't, there's just, isn't a pollinator garden. It's something else. Yeah. Um, and they, they were, you know, very receptive. I had spoken to some of the board members ahead of time off the record. And they said, listen, you can have, you can have four feet on either side. And that seemed very reasonable to me. And I said, listen, what am I going to do about the other section? I, I really don't want to plant grass there. I think we can find another compromise. And they said, well, now that you're trying to join the ARB, right, which is the architectural board, you can have a conversation with them. I was like, great, this is perfect. This is exactly what I wanted. I considered this a total win. Um, and I was like, no, I had already been talking about this mm-hmm. Virginia legislation stuff. This was around the time the Maryland case came out. And um, I'm going to move on with my life. Well, lo and behold, the letter that I get from management later which was supposed to echo what was said in the meeting was not the tone at all. Take it all, take out that one section completely, you know, do not pass go, do not collect hundred dollars. And you can have that, you can have that section, uh, the original section that we talked about, but it was, it wasn't a pleasant letter. It was a, <laughs> yeah. wow. And, you know, and you were saying at this point you were trying to join the board and I know we're guilty yeah. of this and, and we've heard a lot of other people mm-hmm. say, oh, if you're having an issue, just just get on the board. You'll have a voice. It will make a change. It will be different. Yeah. But that doesn't mean I, you could be like almost an intruder to them. Yeah. Like, oh, yes, so, absolutely. Someone coming in trying to take over and then all of a sudden the walls go up, I would imagine, and it's a whole different yes. scenario. And they have to they have to kind of close, at least in my board, they 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 have to close ranks. Like, you know, I've been to the meetings and I've sat through the meetings and, you know, the letter that you get says 
the board voted unanimous, unanimously to do X, Y, Z. Well, that's not really what happened. I sat there and I watched it. And that's mm. not really how it went down, right? So they do really close ranks. They won't say anything um, against anybody else. And I, I mean, I understand that. There's some legal issues at, at play, mm. you know. Um, uh, and I've, I can't tell you how much I've learned over the past year. I've joined, I'm on my PTA board now, which is another, you know, functioning board. And I can see, okay, I can see why we have to do things the way that we do them. Um, but the just... In the midst of this, I had run for the HOA elections and um, I I got a lot of support. I campaigned really hard on Facebook. I couldn't figure out how to campaign in person without kind of being, I don't want to knock on people's doors and be like, hey, vote for me, right? That Nobody's going to want to vote for you if you do that. Um, Especially right after COVID. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, so I got about two thirds of the vote that I needed, which was really encouraging to me because that means that like, you know, I I wasn't an outlier. I wasn't, you know, it wasn't, this isn't crazy. I just didn't quite get enough people to support Mm me. Um, There's a lot of, there's a lot of angst in my neighborhood about different things. You know, we can't, we can't, you know, people are on different pages about, you know, and we've got a lot of outgoing folks that are older and have different opinions um, about Mm -hmm. how, what's neat and tidy and what things should look like. Right. So, um, so anyway, because I didn't get on the board, I joined the ARB, but that's a whole process too. Um, And so in the process of doing that, um, you have to attend three meetings and then they kind of vote to let you in. And, um, but you have to be a member in good standing. And um, so I, they, I got a letter saying you have to do this. And I said, listen, I'm going to the ARB to talk about it just as we discussed in the meeting. Um, And their understanding was different from mine, which was that I had to completely rip everything out and put in grass. Um, And so I tried to argue against that for a while, but I really wanted to be part of the solution. I wanted people to see me as an, an, you know, an agent of good change, not a, crazy person. And so I said, fine, I took it out. I mean, I was in tears the whole time. Um, you know, as, I, as I'm taking it out, this guy walks by and he's like, what are you doing? And I explained and he's like, oh, well, you know, uh, we have to do that for, uh, price, you know, pricing in our neighborhood. I mean, that didn't yeah. hit great for me at the time. <laughs> so, but, uh, but anyway, I, like I said, I posted it all. I got a lot of people coming. I had to take out a, um, state, imperiled plant milkweed that I had that I had put out there Mm -hmm. and I really thought about using that as a because technically I wasn't allowed to remove that right Mm -hmm. like that's technically against the law to remove right so um but there's a whole lot that goes into that and so I said you know what let's just let's just I'm gonna play nice we're gonna I'm gonna get on the board and so I did that I took everything out I put a grass put grass back in and um I go to the next meeting where I'm supposed to be allowed on and um the there's a couple people that have been my biggest naysayers and one of them is on the is on the management and um i don't uh she kind of had been lying in wait for me and and never doesn't usually come to these meetings and really was like no you haven't you're in you're in violation still you can't be on the board you have to wait six months and this was a complete shock to me because all along they're like you don't like it you better volunteer and change it and so i was that was my plan i i don't i you know i want I want to be able to, we have a 70% turf grass rule. Like you have to have 70% turf grass in your front yard. And, and I'm like, that's not ecologically sound. I think we can do better. Mm. Um, and you know, some, some other things that I think need to be changed. And, uh, and then they were telling me I couldn't, I couldn't be there. And so, but luckily there was a couple of people on the, on the board who were like, wait, I don't understand what's happening. Cause they were there for the same reason. They joined the board for the same reason. They were frustrated. They wanted to make changes. And then, yeah. so then to see somebody <clears> coming in, um, so I did eventually get on because I wasn't technically in violation of anything, but like, but to be told that's what you have to do and then be told, no, sorry, we don't want you really just kind of uh, oh. that, along with the letters that, 
that said, hey, you can't have kids toys in your front yard. You know, during COVID, yeah. I had one of the letters wow. I got was you can't have you can't have toys out in the front yard. You can't have a pool in your front yard. No one's else getting these letters. They were mad at me. It was obvious. The, so for the, the people that represented the board demographically older, younger, like had they been on the board for a very long time uh, or. Yeah. OK, so it's so. So, no, it, it's interesting because the management, so right, we have a paid management and we have a board and um, the paid management is older. Um, they've been there for as long as I've been lived here. Um, and then one of the, uh, um, about 50% of the board, I would say, are probably in their 60s. I don't really know anybody's age and have been there for, here in the neighborhood for a long time and have been on the board for a long time. The other 50%, they are probably um, late 40s in the fifties and have not been on the board for that long. Okay. Um, and those are the folks that really, those are the folks that stood up for me. Those are the folks that said, yes, here's your four feet. Here's your four feet. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a very, very contentious conversations with the, some of the older folks where, you know, I, I don't know why <laughs> I'm usually a really nice person, <laughs> yeah. but things went south. So yeah, it, it happens, you know, to the best of us. And it's, you know, the one thing that we're noticing especially from our business standpoint, like times are changing. Things are, are getting more tech savvy. People are becoming a more more aware of things that we can do better or or we know better now. So we need to make better choices. It's not the seventies when you're you're growing up with lead pencils and <laughs> and right. uh, asbestos ceilings in the schools and smoking and mercury ca- uh, fillings, you know, in your mouth. Um, but we see it with some of our older clientele when yeah. you say, you know, we have a website where you can place an order. They're they're not happy. That's not the change they want to see mm-hmm. and and the hairs go up. So it's I, I can imagine like this is a change that they don't want and they're they're grasping on. Yeah. But times are changing and, and as yeah. it changes, it's it's going to change eventually. You would think. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, no, I, I totally agree. I mean, I, most of the people that I talk to are, are, are for it. Most people are like, thank you for, thank you for doing that. You know, they've kind of feel like if I'm doing it, they don't have to do so much, which I don't love, but, but at least it's positive. Um, uh, but like these, these people don't want to do, they don't want to do Zoom meetings. They don't want to do online meetings. They want people to have to come into the building. And, and I know that it's harder. It's a pain. I, I, I have trouble with that too, but, um, they don't want to change. They don't want solar solar panels on the front of your houses. Mm-hmm. They don't. They don't want to uh, um, update these. They don't want electric cars sitting in the driveways charging. Right? Like they they don't. And, and I and I get that. And I made a lot of. I call them missteps. I don't want to call them mistakes because I I had no idea what I was getting into. If I had if I could go back now and go through this exact same process with the exact same people, I would do a lot of things differently because I would know how to approach these particular people. That's one of the questions we're going to save till the end. We'll get through the whole thing. Um, Okay. The one question I had before you continue, was there anyone before you that had done this that they were like, oh, no, not this again, and maybe they were a little harder on you? Okay. I just didn't know if there was something that maybe happened that they're like, all right, this has happened before we have to. I do know of one instance where um, someone who moved from one end of the neighborhood to the other neighbor- end of the neighborhood. So one thing about HOAs is where they can really get you is when you go to sell your house. And so if you have done something that's not allowed and you go to sell, you're not allowed to sell. They can put a lien on your property until oh, wow. you either until you wow. either fix that thing or get it approved or, or whatever. Right. So somebody that I know that came to me when I was going through all this, she had just 
moved from one end of the neighborhood to the other. And I'm surprised she stayed in the neighborhood, honestly, after this. But she had done a bunch of native plantings in her front yard, ferns and things like that. Um, and they wouldn't let her keep it. She she hadn't gotten it approved. Um, and and again, the culture here is not you have to get it like the general culture. Right. Like so it, it seems to be targeted at people who are doing non-traditional things. Right. Mm-hmm. I know plenty of people that have gone and sold and have not had a problem. Um, it's and again, this is just my experience. So who knows if I'm seeing this correctly, but um, she she had to rip everything out. She had to rip all of her ferns, everything out from her front yard and able, in order to be able to sell um, and move to another another house, which ironically had had a whole bunch of stuff done to the front of it um, that wasn't approved, <laughs> that they then had yeah. to correct. So, yeah, it's yeah. it's amazing some of the politics going in even though this is an hoa but we see it with our our town politics all the time with uh uh, it seems if you sit in some of the the township committee meetings and you maybe oppose uh even constructively oppose some of the stuff that's going on all of a sudden like building inspectors show up and and all these different inspectors start showing up and you better have your permits in it's um it is interesting how you can get targeted like that by people who have like a little bit of power. Uh, and yeah. another thing you said about the rare milkweed reminded me yeah. of a uh, New Jersey native plant society meeting. I went to years ago and I can't remember the woman's name who, who said this. Um, someone gave a speech it's an, or a talk and it was all about uh, like how, how to get your neighbors like to accept what you're doing in your yard kind of. And, um, but this one woman who uh, an older woman originally from Canada moved down to New Jersey and then has since moved back to Canada. But she was like, Oh, the easiest way to make sure that they can't tell you to take out all your native plantings is the, if you put in like a snag and you'll attract these like rare tree frogs and now they can't get rid of it because the tree frogs are there and you can't disrupt their habitat. But she had, she laid out like this elaborate plan of how you're going to attract all these rare species. Oh yeah. And and all all of a sudden now it's illegal. You can't, yeah, you can't get rid of it. But so it reminded me of that. All right. So where, where do you go from there? Where are you at now? And like, and how far back are we at this point? We're about two to three, Uh, two to three years back. So no, that's, um, that was, I think that brought us up to the beginning of this. I think, I, I, I kind of lost track of my story. I'm so I, I last so last year I ran for the board, didn't okay. make it. Um, did join the ARB, but it took me until this January to get, actually get onto the ARB board. Okay. Um, yeah. So that brings us up to, and so in the meanwhile, I had taken out that section. Um, I had replanted it with uh, grass and um, the kicker for me, I'll tell you. So here's the thing. The thing is, like I said, I felt like I had won. I felt like we were good to go. And then I kept getting these letters take out. You have to take out this also. This part's not okay. This is not okay. You can't have toys in your front yard. You can't do this. This is um, you have to take out your monarch way station signs. You have you can't have any signs. And that's really. Oh, and then I said, I can't I don't understand why you would not want to encourage pollinators in the current you know situation that we're in and she wrote back to me um i can't imagine that any neighborhood would encourage wildlife in their yard that's 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 crazy 
I shouldn't say that's crazy, but that was the, that was the gist of it. And so that's what pushed me over the edge and said, okay, I have to do something because if she's going to do it to me, she's doing it to other people and I don't know about it. And if, if I can't even have something as benign as a sign saying, which is what you're supposed to do, right? It's one of the cues there from Doug Tallamy and Benjamin Vogt and all those guys, right? The whole point is to let people know what you're doing. If I, and, 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 by the way, I am allowed technically to have one sign and it will be going back up at some point. But the the fact that they were they were going to just double down on on that was like, OK, I can't let this slide. I, I have to do something to, to change this. This is this is not an environment. And, and knowing that there were other neighborhoods out there that are doing this and they fluctuate. I know one of the neighborhoods that that John McGee worked on has kind of swung back around. The board has become a little less friendly. But, you know it's 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 a process the tides are the tides are turning and and it, I, I just couldn't understand if you're gonna let me have this wildish looking front yard why would you not want to have a sign out saying hey this is why we've let this this come to be yeah that doesn't make any sense at all to me at least did, did no. it get to the point where the the things that they were sending you letters about were they valid or was it was it getting to the point where you were wondering if you were being harassed uh, but yeah, absolutely. Okay. Felt like I was, yeah. Cause like I said, you know, I, I have, we have wonderful neighbors. So we have different neighbors now than we did when we first moved in. We've got kids on both sides of me. We've got a whole bunch of kids. When I moved in, we were the youngest family on the, on this, on the block, right? Mm-hmm. No one else had little kids. Um, but across the street, all, all lots of kids everywhere. No, I asked them all repeat every time I got a letter, did you guys get a letter about the gold sitting in your front yard? Did you get a letter about the, you know, all this stuff? Um, and the answer was no, never, no one else, no one else was getting letters about that. And there was emails being circulated about me to the, to the board saying, oh, look at this, look at the leaves, look at the state of this, look at that. She hasn't done this. She hasn't done that. I wasn't getting letters about them, but they were saying these, this is why she can't be part of part of the board. This is why she can't be Mm. part of the process because she's not keeping up her end of the bargain. And meanwhile, all along, I've explained all along, these leaves are here. This is why they're here. Please work, talk to me. Let's have yeah. a conversation about this. There was no, there was never any conversation. Well, if you don't want to bend, you don't have the conversation. Yeah. <laughs> yes. that, that, that's, and that's exactly, that's exactly the trick that they would play on me is that, that, that they would sit there and look incredibly sympathetic and say, yes, okay, we hear you. Absolutely. We're going to talk about this and then we'll get back to you. Right. Well, they don't, the, the, the letter that came back to me was written by different people than the people who made the decision and the tone in the letters. I mean, it's just, there's a lot. Some of it's going to be particular to my HOA and, and the way that my HOA is run, but some of it I'm sure is happening to people everywhere. So I'm sorry, Tom. I, I was going to say the, you mentioned there were some folks that were on the HOA board that kind of had your back in the beginning. Mm-hmm. Did that support yeah. seem to wane as time went on? Did they feel frustrated or, or I don't know. How did things no change? one, I don't know. No one, they don't won't break ranks. They won't. Mm-hmm. They won't tell me what happened. Um, one of those people's no longer on the board, mm-hmm. um, and um, I I'm not entirely sure what happened because what in the end in the end they sent me a letter from a lawyer because I was I was really trying to say can you I really don't want to take I really don't want to take those plans out I mm-hmm. want to find a way to work with you, and so finally I got a letter from a lawyer. And the thing with HOAs is once you get a letter from a lawyer, the conversation's over. There's nothing. Yeah. They won't talk to you at all. Um, and so because you know, I knew how much it had cost the Crouches $60,000 to fight their HOA. And I know there's a gentleman in Ashburn who spent $90,000 fighting his HOA. When he moved in, there was a meadow on his property, uh, five acres. 
and they mm-hmm. wanted him to take it out. He spent $90,000 fighting them, and he did win, but it was really more of a, an abeyance, right? Like, it yeah. wasn't like a in per- perpetuity, like, you can keep this. Um, and I was like, I can't, I'm not going to spend my my family's mm-hmm. money on, on this. Well, so. that's what I was going to say. When you're in this situation, which is difficult, because I'm sure there's a part of you that says, I give up, and there's a part of you that says, I want to fight this to the end. There has yeah. to be a compromise like what resources do you have? Where do you turn to or where do you go from there to figure out yeah. what to do? Well, that's a great question because there there's kind of a playbook out there, right? If you go to any of these, you know, National Wildlife Federation, E. Benjamin Vogt, Doug mm-hmm. Tallamy, like you go, there's the University of, I think it's Delaware. They tell you, here's what you should do. You put the signs, you know, you have cues to care, you try to get on your board. And I'll tell you, and every time I would post, like the Virginia Native Plant Society is really active and really awesome. Mm-hmm. And so I would post in there and I would always get the same responses. And I went along and I checked off all of the boxes. It did everything on the list and, you know, couldn't, didn't feel like I made any headway, still felt alone. There's really no one out there that's going to come and hold your hand, which is what led me to Wild Ones, um, Mm -hmm. which is another um, national nonprofit. They have a webinar out there that was done by a former city lawyer who enforced these ordinances and on how to, on how to fight and how to make sure that you have all the resources at your disposal. Yeah. And so um, that was really great. Um, unfortunately, again, I had done most of the things that were in the suggestion, but it did teach me how to kind of read the rules and see, you know, what you, um, what can they actually enforce and to look at the state laws? What can they actually do? Um, and and because of that, I actually ended up starting my own chapter of Wild Ones because when I reached out to all these other nonprofits and all these other organizations, they had words, but they didn't have any, have any real support. Mm-hmm. And so what I wanted to do was be able to, provide that handholding for anybody else that wants to come to me and say, will you come speak at my HOA board? Will you come, you know, help me edit my garden? You know, and that's the hard um, part. Like the all, you know, any of us want to try to accomplish is to try to get someone to think about yes. what they're doing. If they're doing something that that might be not in the best interest, you, you want them to at least think about it or have the conversation. At, at this point, you can't even have the conversation. So you have no. no like you wonder what this case with with the HOA. I wonder what your board thinks about because they some, you know that had to circulate. Someone had to say, "Look at this." Oh, Someone yeah. sued, and they, mm-hmm. oh. what, what can we do to prevent this? Like, I would imagine that's a yeah. conversation having being had off the record. I and I will. I, I I'm going to try to say this without saying too much, but there were in the in the midst of all of this, there were other changes that were happening in my HOA. Um. One of the things um, is there's different levels of governing documents in HOA, um, and some of them are stronger than others. And changes were being made to the governing documents while I was running for the board, while I was trying to do this, um, that I didn't speak out against because I was trying so hard to play nice and mm-hmm. get on the board. Um, and one of the changes is directly related to what I have been trying to do. Um, and I think that it was a direct result of my work. And so, yes, I do think that this was happening going on. And I don't want to say behind my back because it, they were doing it in front of everybody, right? They're out there. The, every 70% of the people in the neighborhood had to sign off on it. Right. Yeah. But some of these changes were things that I had gone and advocated for, and they are now codified in a much more solid manner mm-hmm. that will make it much more difficult for us to change in the future. 
we we I always felt- we always kind of joke around in the office. Anytime there's a new rule, it's always a reaction, and you can almost put a name yes. to the rule. Like it's the new rule yes. is now the Melinda rule because it's 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 being enforced because this happened. You know, yes. we mm-hmm. we've joked that at a lot a former place of employment that the employee handbook you could you could go through and put names on each clause in the employee handbook. Um, yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> so. It's so. I, I I was in tears when I discovered somehow I I discovered that that had happened because I felt like I'd actually gone and make the situation worse rather than better. Mm-hmm. And the the hard part is you have a group of people that's speaking for everyone, and it's hard to say out of fourteen hundred people how many people side with you, um, or right. how many people feel that how many other people is this happening to that you don't fourteen hundred people is a lot of people to try to poll yeah. to find out. If it's happening yeah. elsewhere, mm-hmm. it, it'd be interesting to know if the majority of the people really don't care or really I think feel the way you feel. I think, I think the majority of people just want to live in a neighborhood yeah. where the dogs aren't barking and there's not trash on the street and, you know, the classic cars up on blocks <laughs> kind of a thing. Yeah. We, yeah. we, it's, we actually in kind of a funny situation because we have a neighborhood, we kind of, a neighborhood was built 10 years before us and we kind of engulfed them and they are not part of our HOA, but they're surrounded by us and their houses look fine. They're great. They have no HOA. (laughs) I'd be happy to live there. So what, what is the state of your yard now with, with everywhere you're at? Where, what do you have? Um, so this is, I have, um, I still have those, those, that pollinator, that sunny pollinator garden out front. Um, which, um, is great. Um, I have a, I have two giant trees in my front yard and my neighbors have giant trees. And so the grass is slowly decaying for the first six Mm. years I lived here. I tried so hard to grow grass under those trees. Um, and so what I, my plan is to replace it with, with, um, some hardscaping and some, Pennsylvania sedge, if I can get my hands on any at this point. Um, and, uh, and I've done a lot. I'm going to, I have a, a, a drawn up a whole plan for, for landscaping beds, but I have to get those approved, especially if I'm going to yeah. try to be on the board and be on the ARB. And I don't know what's going to happen if I put those applications in now. You know, here's the scary thing, because obviously it's so shaded, you can't grow grass. But if you say, mm-hmm. I want to put the sedge in because I can't grow grass, how do you know that they won't come back and say, we'll remove the trees? <laughs> they won't. They can't. They can't. They actually, okay. They, 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 so we, our neighborhood is very pro tree. Um, I'm not a hundred percent. It's interesting. So, so they could tell us to remove the trees, but they, it would be very difficult for them to um, put that one through because we, you know, it, we have in our rules, you can't cut down any trees that are over a four inch caliper without very okay. good reason. So, all right. All right. Awesome. And these are, these are giant. Okay. <laughs> Giant trees. All right, good. I would imagine if it's shading out the grass. Have have you found allies on your journey that that have helped? Like yeah, you mentioned yes, some I, of these other organizations. Like yeah. Is, is there any anyone that kind of grabbed you and said, I, I can help or I'm with you? So yeah, so yes, I reached out to um a couple people and and um I have been working with um someone on the Virginia Native Plant Society. So they've been working very hard on two bills that they just um, successfully got through the Virginia legislature that are in support of native plants 
on public grounds, right? So they're really supposed to prioritize using native plants. The other one is to um, start working on this uh, invasive species problem. Um, and they've been working on these bills for for a long time. And they finally, they're, they're not what they wanted them to be. They're not like Delaware's invasive you know, species, mm-hmm. but they're aiming in that direction. Um, and so they, um, I think are going to be really great allies. The woman who worked really hard on that is, has, um, been connected up with me and she's talked three through how they did that and what's going to happen. Um, I have been working with what used to be the Audubon natural society and is now called nature forward. Um, and the Chesapeake Bay foundation, the Chesapeake Bay foundation is really big here because, um, Bay health is really important, yeah. you know, in, <clears throat> you know, for you guys too. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. and, uh, so those are, those are some, some really good allies. And of course, um, wild ones, um, I started my own group here. Um, and, um, we've, we've come up with kind of a little plan, but honestly, for the most part, I'm still really, really on my own. I think until we can get past a few hurdles, um, and one of those is that we're, this is an election year in Virginia. Mm-hmm. So um, we have to have a sponsor for our bill. We have to have a senator or a delegate um, sponsor the bill. Who knows which of them are going to be here in November, the end of November. Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, that's, that's a hurdle. Um, and the other one is, again, that they're, the, they're still working on, you know, they're kind of exhausted from working on these other two bills, which took them two years to get through. It took the Crouches, you know, two years to get that bill through in Maryland. So it's a long it's a long process. Um, I actually have a meeting with a senator tomorrow um, to to talk it through. But again, he doesn't know if he's going to be in place for the mm-hmm. next General Assembly yeah. in January of next year. So, yeah, that's a, there's so many factors that are up in the air. It's I yeah, yeah much kudos for for the strength and will that you have to put forth the effort into this because I'm sure many people would say I I'm, I've had enough. Um, but where do you go from here? What are your next steps? What is, what is your plan to, to do this? Like, are are your kids older now? Like, is it, does it affect your kids? Does it affect your family? I mean, it did. Absolutely. This whole thing absolutely affected my family. I mean, I, I, um, was under a lot of stress. I wasn't sleeping. I was, you know, I felt like as part of this whole process, I felt like I was constantly being watched. I know people were driving by and taking pictures of my house. Um, I, the board was asked to drive by and look at my house. Um, I, 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 I really feel like I don't belong here. Like as I was, I had concerns when we moved into this neighborhood and everybody told me, I no big deal. Um, but now, I mean, I know I don't belong here. I, I don't care if you have a pink door. I don't care if you grow corn in your front yard. I want you to have solar panels. I want you to be able to park your mm-hmm. RV here for a little while if you need to work. Yeah. Like, I, I, and so I know that this is not the right space yeah. space for me. So I feel, I, you know, that feels a little weird. Um, but um, the, I do have supportive native neighbors, some of them. I do have people that come and say, you know, hey, can I, can I have some plants? I want to, I've seen your posts. I want to put native plants in my backyard, mm-hmm. right? So um, my, my next steps are trying to, to, to try to, as get this bill through. And I, what I need to do is um, while we're waiting to see who's, who's going to be able to sponsor this bill is to, uh, I want to put a survey out there to, you know, homeowners and say, Hey, if you've ever lived in an HOA, have you run into a problem? Um, I think what mostly we're going to hear is people who say, I've never tried it because I live in an HOA. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think before we started um, 
this, you talked about some landscapers that won't work in HOAs and I have run into that too. And I, yeah. and I, you know, people reaching out to landscapers saying, Hey, I want to put a meadow in, you know, a la Benjamin vote. And the guy saying, go back and talk to your HOA first. And then he never hears from them again. Yeah. Um, so stuff like that, those are the things that we need to hear from. And those are the people that are going to, th- that aren't going to think to reach out to me and say, mm-hmm. Hey, you know, this is a problem, but, but that's exactly what's, you know, it's been suggested to me to speak to the stormwater, or sorry, the soil and conservation district about their stormwater mm-hmm. mitigation yeah. issues. If they live in an HOA that says you can't do a rain garden, you can't do this, those things die in the water. And I, so I need to hear from, from those people. Yeah. So I'm going to have a survey out for that. And I don't care if you live in Virginia, or if you don't live in Virginia HOA, I really would love to just kind of, you know, hear what's, hear what's going on. And, um, because those are the stories that we'll need to take. Um, and then once we can get a bill and get a sponsor, um, we have to circulate that around to the powers that be. Like, you know, mm-hmm. the um, one of the reasons the invasive species bills don't get, don't get through are because of the landscapers and they're because of the native plant, or sorry, the, the, the traditional sellers mm-hmm. who um, don't, don't want to be told I can't sell Barbary anymore. I can't sell English Ivy anymore. They make a lot of money on those things, right? So what we have to do is find a way to get these people these lo- that, that are able to lobby successfully um, on board. Knowledge, knowledge is power. So I, I mean yeah. we're definitely the way we think we're in the minority. But if you mm-hmm. can slowly make some changes and get people to understand a, a few things and, and hopefully that trickles through. But I know before we we started – recording today i was talking to a, a co-worker whose sister lives in an hoa and i'm like what attracted the hoa to her and she's like mm-hmm. oh her ocd she loves it every mailbox is the same color it's the same height she can look down the road right. and everything's perfect and everything's the same mm-hmm. so i'm like all right so imagine if she was your neighbor <laughs> yeah right <laughs> like how right. that would be and it's it's just varying yeah. ideas of what you want and trying yeah. to I don't know that you can have a community full of like-minded people in yeah. this day and age. Yeah. No, could- but wouldn't it, wouldn't it be amazing? I mean, and I, actually that's one of the things that I find incredibly frustrating is that, you know, one minute I'm like, I'm really gung-ho, let's do this. Let's have all these beautiful plants in a front yard and make it, make it look wild. And then the next minute, you know, someone's telling me, don't go too crazy because we'll make it look beautiful, make it look perfect because there's no way we're going to win these other people over if we don't. You know, well, I'm not perfect. I'm yeah. doing it myself. I don't want to pay somebody mm-hmm. to landscape, but I love doing this work myself. But I'm never going to, you know, I mean, look at me. I have a I have a nose ring. I have an eyebrow ring. There are millions of people out there that are going to write me off immediately because I mm-hmm. don't fit their definition of a perfect person. And they're going to do the same with my lawn, right? Uh, I don't, yeah. I, I don't want, yeah. So it, I find yeah. that incredibly frustrating because uh, I don't know how to approach that. Oh, it's, it's funny. As soon as people find out I have tattoos, how quickly that conversation <laughs> changes a little bit, you know, like that yeah. judgy comes in a little bit, but it's, it's, uh, you know, Tom and I do a talk where we, we talk about how to make native plants more palatable to make, mm-hmm. to make it at least a conversation. It's like, all right, edge it out a little bit. So it's not as wild yeah. or, or put a sign up so people know what you're doing. And not even all of those options are available to you which is difficult right. it's 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 taking that conversation away for you and yes. it should be a conversation yeah 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 one yeah. of the things that it, it's i've never have lived in an hoa um i'm just getting used to living with neighbors and uh, <laughs> and um but a lot of these things that we really pine or the hoas really pine on um and they like hinge on this traditional uh aesthetic don't really go that far back 
Like like we've no. talked about before, the concepts of lawns are, are within for everyday people are within really the last hundred years, probably even less. Um, yeah, I, I was agree. the book I'm going to cover in our next or. We're lost in a loop again. The buzz you're going to hear, you have will before have heard this. Friday. <laughs> but before this, is like the concept of like um, house dogs. It's 50s, 1950. Yeah. That's when you start seeing house pets. And like hmm. so many of these things that are just such a part of our culture that feel like they've been around forever really have been along around for like 70, 80 years. Um, so you have uh, only a few generations that have lived with this. Uh, it just happens that those are tend to be the generations that are in power right now. Yeah. So. Right. Yeah, it's and, uh, it's fascinating and, to me and, just and, from like an anthropomorph. How do you say anthropom- anthropomorphic? I'm not even going to try to say. It. I don't know. <laughs> it's something with people. Like the study of people. It's um, yeah, it's just fascinating how tied in we are to so so some of these things that really have not been around very, very long at all. And it's it's all a compromise. You know, we're not – where I live, I'm not in an HOA, but it is a big community, and we we keep the front mowed, and we clean the leaves in the front yard, and our, our compromise is we don't do it in the back. Yeah. You know, it is, mm-hmm. it's a different mm-hmm. – it, you know, it's, it's a little mm-hmm. more hidden. It backs up to a natural area. We make that compromise to, to mm-hmm. kind of get along with our neighbor. But eventually that conversation is going to happen. It's going to yeah. move from the backyard to the front yard at some point. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, the neighbors looking around across the street, they've been there for I don't know how many decades, you know, and that's going to be the biggest shock to them when that conversation starts to happen. Yeah. You know, yeah. but at least if yeah. I have a, a, a place in the backyard that I can take them to, to say, well, you don't see this, but this is what's happening back here. This is what we're working towards. Um, right. It's it's hard, and you were Tom's mentioned it with cutting things back in in your front yard. Oh yeah, no, I just I heard a secondhand comment the other day where one of our neighbors, not my one of the nursery neighbors, um, made a comment to someone else who works at the nursery saying, "Oh, how how come Tom doesn't landscape his house?" And it's like, well, I, it um, is landscaped. It's just not what they think of landscaping. But the person who made the comment is, I'm on on the mower. Every Tuesday, yeah, and like making sure there's perfectly straight lines and uh, Japanese barberry yeah. and just very and sterile landscape. They don't, they aren't thinking past it being no. in, an ornament in their lawn, yeah, uh, or in their. That's yard. where I really get so. stuck is because I don't know how to, I don't know how to have a conversation with people that that aren't will aren't interested yeah. in having a conversation with me, right? If if their only version of what it should be like is you know that mowed front yard with the stripes in it right mm-hmm. and 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 the little meatball bushes um there's they're never going to see you know unless somebody that they know and love is able to you know slip them Doug Tallamy's book which is mm-hmm. you know you know <laughs> I, I just i'm never going to make i'm never going to make a dent there but it yeah. doesn't you know it's not stopping me from from trying and i and like i said i swing from being you know incredibly you know, vehement to trying to make nice and try to try to really because it's just mm-hmm. it's just it's so frustrating to feel like you're working so hard to do the right thing and everyone else is working against you. Yeah, there's a common ground somewhere. How hard it is to find that little pebble. Yeah. You know, it's who knows what it will take. And and you're right. Some people you're never going to change and, and they're not going to change. And that's fine. I it just as you were saying that it made me think I'm like, I wonder how many people like have have referred to you as a hippie. 
and, and <laughs> you know, based on your your, your yeah. property, gone. Oh, look, 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 what's happening? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I, I don't know. And the thing is, is that I would actually actually the person who complained about me accidentally outed themselves, and I figured out who it was, and I reached out to them, and I said, "Hey, like, do you want to go to lunch? Like, let's talk." Um, and I never got any any response. Mm. That's hard. That's hard because yeah. nothing can change if the conversations don't happen. Yep. But if, if we're going to – when your survey is ready, we're going to put it in the show notes. So awesome. And we'll Thanks. we'll make an announcement uh, on a buzz that we've updated. The sh- like So if this goes out before the survey is ready, we'll make sure we let everyone know when the survey is ready. Okay. But Great. I guess Thank you. what we wanted to ask of you is for other people that are in similar situations, I, I mm-hmm. guess this is a two-pronged question. What advice would you give to someone else doing this? And yeah. what would you do differently if you were starting over? How would how would you have handled – what are some key things that you look back and say, if I had done this, maybe things would be different? And yeah. what advice can you give to someone else moving forward? So that is a really tough question for me because I, as I mentioned earlier, if if I had all of my knowledge now and I could go back and do it again, I would do things different. And that's because of what I have learned about the people that I would be approaching. So, you know, one of the things that I have learned is that if I had not called it a pollinator garden, I probably would have gotten a lot farther. I thought that was, I, everybody tells mm-hmm. you that's the way to go. You appeal to the, the, the butterflies. Everybody wants butterflies, right? Um, but turns out that the people in, in power, that's, that was not the right way to sway them. But how was I supposed, there's no way for me to, yeah. for me to know that. So, um, if I could go back and do it differently, I, um, would not have made the assumptions that I made, right. That of course these people are going to be interested. I would have, I would have gone to that again, it was during COVID. So it was really hard, but I would have gone to that meeting and sat in, you know, I would have educated myself ahead of time on the laws, the laws in Virginia say you can sit in through that whole meeting with very few exceptions. And, but the HOAs will politely invite you to leave. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would have stayed. And so I would have tried to have that conversation. Um, but for and for anybody moving forward, that's something I would say. Number one, I would say educate yourself, read the rules, you know, and before you go to change your garden, if you haven't done it yet, read the rules in your head. A lot of times there's there's a lot of place for for wiggle room, especially in these older HOAs. They have they don't have their laws codified quite quite in a way that's, you know, um, ironclad. Um, and read the laws in your state about, about what can HOAs, you know, enforce and not enforce because a lot of times the HOAs don't know either. Like they were enforcing a a rule here about solar panels that was not legal. Um, and so Texas, Florida, um, Maryland, um, and another one I'm, I'm forgetting right now, they all have landscaping rules that say that you have to be allowed to zero escape. You have to be allowed to, to do these, um, you know, kind of what they called low impact landscaping in Maryland. Um, and so educate yourself on that for sure. Find friends. It doesn't, somebody who will listen to you. You know, I have some really wonderful friends and family members who, who listened to me on the phone so that I could get it out to them and not go mm. yell at the people in charge. <laughs> um, and if you can find someone who's been through it and is willing to kind of walk you through it, if you can find a subject matter expert that will come and talk at your HOA, because that's the other mistake I made was not reaching out and finding someone that would come and talk instead of me, that tree meeting that they asked me to go to, I shouldn't have done that. I should have had someone come with some, some version of authority that they would respect Mm -hmm. to talk to them and then separate, you know, my situation. Um, 
like I said, Wild Ones has a webinar, which is really great information. You know, Benjamin Vogt that you mentioned already has some some great stuff. Um, the cues to care, which I forget, there's a particular university that came up with that list of cues to care, um, showing showing you know what you've done. Educate yourself on your on your plant so that when they ask questions about why did you plant that one, you can say, oh well, this is blah 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 scientific name and this is why. And um, you know that's helped me. Uh, I've planted a couple gardens up at my kids' school and um, the. The, one of the vice principals knows a little bit about landscaping and plants. And he's like, oh, why did you plant that goldenrod there? That's going to be crazy. And I said, well, it's not Canada goldenrod. You know, it's blue stem goldenrod. It'll be fine. And um, stuff like that, right? So, um, and then, you know what? If you have to start from scratch, if you have to take it out, don't let that be, for me, I turned it into a positive by, you know, reaching out to the Native Plant Society and saying, look, and I have all these plants to give away. Who can give them, who can give them a good home? And I really got a lot of comfort from having people, they they drove, you know, to my house, picked up these plants and I got to have a conversation with them, with them in my front yard. Um, and I would say, try to make friends where you can, if with the people in, in power. And, and it's hard to do because sometimes it feels it, it, it feels like you're doing it for the wrong reasons. And I, you know, it feels disingenuous. Um, but, but the more people that you know and know you as a person and not just as mm-hmm. that guy who's trying to plant stuff in their front yard, the better. Um, and make sure you write stuff down. If you are having trouble in your HOA and you give, and you give up or you move forward, you know, save it, save that information so that, you know, when it comes up in the future, um, it can, you can use it to make progress. And if you can't, if you're too tired, you know, I think absolutely getting on the board is the right, the number one best thing to do. 100%. If you don't have the time, if you don't have the energy, if you can't get on there, if you tried like me and you can't get on there, and you can't keep going, that's okay, right? Like I, I, I happen to be at a place in my life, my kids are older, I don't have a demanding job, I, I could do this right now. There's, I know so many of my friends that could never have spent the time on this. And that's okay too, right? Like don't, don't exhaust yourself don't yeah not everyone's in your life over this not everyone's wired that way like i i can't see me doing it you know i i just my my anxiety is just ratcheting up (laughs) listening to what you've gone through (laughs) i I it was awful yeah i can't imagine well that's you know i kind of wanted to to end it a little bit on a positive note positive note in a way like it's hitting home so many things that we've even advice that we've given now i'm i'm second guessing myself based oh. on some of the things that that you're saying and it's you know we we always say you know nature doesn't have to be somewhere that you go it can be right out your back door it's you're you're supposed to you know in the words of John McGee don't forget to enjoy it you know it's yeah. it's a place you you have to enjoy it so when you're doing it for all the right reasons to be a part of it and then sometimes it's not even a place that you can go to enjoy it <laughs> right we're uh, where yeah. where do you go? Where where is your favorite place to escape a natural area to go and enjoy and reinvigorate you for the reason why you you started doing it in the first place? Um, hmm. I, it's it's tough for me to talk about that without being a little bit negative too, um, because you know as I said, we live near this park that's this beautiful riparian buffer, and we have Virginia bluebells here, and if you have never been to Virginia bluebells where they have spread out in their natural habitat. It is absolutely amazing. You know, the, and trout lilies and the violets and the, um, spring beauties. Um, and so we have that here and it is stunning. 
Um, and that brings me incredible joy. And the great thing about spring ephemerals is that they, a lot of them will pop up even under all these horrible invasives, right? Because they're, they're not competing at the same time. Um, and so those are, are almost always there, even though, um, you know, our, one of my selling points for this is that our trails are being overtaken by the invasives. And so I, I have a little park that I took on and um, I have spent two and a half years working on pulling out with, with volunteers, hundreds of hours and, and we're replacing it and the bluebells are coming back and, and it's really, really cool. And so that is going to be my happy place in a, in a few years <laughs> once I get that. And it's, and it's keeping, it's one of the things that's keeping me here, right? You know, you asked about giving up and I absolutely all the time, I'm like, let's just leave. I can't stand it. I can't stand the thought that people hate me and hate what I'm doing. Mm. I can't stand the thought that people are looking at me. And it makes me angry that it's more important. Aesthetics are more important to you than, than being able to dry your clothes without a dryer and being able to have solar panels on your roof. Um, but if I leave, we, if I, we had, if we had pulled up stakes and sold during this whole process, I would have had to rip everything out anyway, because it's not approved and they could have, they could yeah. have told me I had to. Right. So at least this way, my stuff's still there. I'm trying to make a difference. You know, I'm making a change. And so I think that I think that those those things will be my happy place. I, I can see a path forward. Um, and so that's what I'm hoping. I can say, you know, in many ways, life is like life is like school. You're you're, you're stuck with the people <clears throat> that you're stuck with, yeah. regardless of if you get along with them or not, if they're best friends yeah. or if they're bullies, they they are what they are. And it's just it's it's such a weird, different approach that that's how you would approach your neighbor to mm-hmm. to yeah. just to just turn them in, not have a conversation, uh, things like that. And it's just a, yeah, and not what I would expect, but I guess I, I'm not surprised either. There's, there's a, yeah, there's a lot that goes into it, right? Because some people, some people would probably respond very negatively. Like I've had a lot of conversations with people about that. Like some people get mad if you leave a note on their door saying, Hey, can you please clean up your blah, blah, blah. Some people are like, why didn't they knock on my door? And and, and mm. talk to me in person. Some people were like, I can't believe they bothered me by my knocking on my door. Like, like there's no, there's yeah. no way to, to win it all. And I absolutely would welcome conversation. Um, sometimes I do a better job than others. Um, but they don't know that I could be an angry person with a baseball bat. Right. So <laughs> I, I can't, I can't blame them too much, but you know, we, we, we are our neighbors, you know, and I want to be your neighbor. Like let's, let's talk yeah. about it. So, but. yeah. And then uh, uh, just following off on that, I I always laughed when um at people who would call the police over like trivial little things uh yeah. like I I I parked at my in-laws house and my the back of my truck was just in front of uh the neighbor's property and there was a sign there saying like no parking between there and the curb and I was like a foot past it and he called the police instead of just coming over yeah. and knocking he had their number yeah. to say hey just so you know this is yeah. Even though it was it wasn't necessarily that big of a deal anyway, but he called the police instead of of yeah yeah. There's a a, a business logic um, that we kind of follow at our nursery, and then I've learned from a couple other places. And it's like it's and it's just for any everyday relationships. But you shouldn't triangulate if you have an issue with somebody and how they're doing something. You shouldn't be going and telling someone else about it and complaining to them because yeah. all you're doing is harboring ill feelings about that person with someone else. Um, they're either going to not like you because you complain a lot or they're going to not like the other person about what they're saying. That's a good point. You need to approach that person 
and address that you you don't understand why they're doing something, but then listen to why they are doing what they're doing. Um, yeah. So if you if you uh, if you're one of the people who doesn't like native plants and you see some planting, planting native plants, you need to ask them why they're doing what they're doing. It's set, it'll list out why it upsets you and then listen to why yeah. they're doing it that way because you might not understand their perspective. You're just looking at it from your own selfish perspective like we all do. We all look at stuff selfishly. Yeah. So, um, yep. yeah, no, it's just something – I've thought of when you were saying that, yeah. oh, yeah, people don't like when you knock or people don't like when you just leave a note. Why wouldn't you knock? Yeah, it's yeah, you know, yeah interesting. It's, it's hard. Yeah. It's uh, one of the things I've learned specifically from this job is being a wholesale nursery, you're dealing with the same customers all the time. And okay. you may not like your customers and they may not like you, but you're doing business. <laughs> And, yeah. you know, sometimes there's things that happen where it's not going well and it hasn't gone well for a while. And then something happens and it changes. Like some of my favorite customers weren't – we didn't get along 15 years ago mm -hmm. for a couple of years. And then something – sometimes it was just we had lunch together <laughs> and we found common yeah. ground with family or, or I was able to help them with something or they were able to help me with something. And it just – I don't know. It just triggers something that you're like, oh, I need to look at this differently, and it just changed moving forward. But you know, I, I didn't have a choice. Regardless, we made the we both made made the choice to make the best of it. Right. And I have really good friends because of that throughout the industry because we kind of were forced to work it. <laughs> it was it's kind of yeah. like a parent when you have the two kids. It's like the two of you have to work it out. You know, and that's. That's what happened, and and I didn't know that would happen. I'm happy that it happened. You know, it's sometimes it doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, you know. Well, and I think that's like you said, that's something that's not going to happen if you go if you go and call your boss or you go and call their boss yeah. or, or or whatever, yeah. right? And you get the HOA involved. It's like calling the once you've called yeah. the police, oh, yeah. it's a problem now. Once you call mm -hmm. the HOA, it's a problem. And I, you know what? Those people might not have intended for me mm -hmm. to get. Yeah. My entire front. In fact, I bet they didn't want my entire front yard to get ripped out. I bet they just wanted me to take better care of it, mm -hmm. right? But once they yep. called the authorities, the HOA, now they have no choice yeah. but to get involved and to make me do something about it. Meanwhile, if they had come and talked to me directly, we all might have been able to get, you mm -hmm. know, to it. So, yeah, it reminds me of these things people are talking about, you know, with the police, like, but they don't call them until it's, you don't have a rest resort because once they're involved, you're... You've lost yeah. control. Yeah. yeah. Well, like you said, even when once you got the letter from the lawyer, there that conversation's yeah. over. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. it's yeah. and it's unfortunate that it gets to that point. Yeah. But once it gets to that point, you have to deal with it. There was a, a yeah. politician on our. Well, I shouldn't call him a politician. He's a farmer that's on our state board of ag, which is a political agency. But talking about a bill, and he's like, "We shouldn't just hate the bill because of the bill. We we don't like one little part of it." We agree mm -hmm. on the other 99%. There's one little thing, yeah. and that's holding up everything. So let's talk about that and address why we don't like it and why they want it and and address the little thing. So kind of what you were saying is you had the one person. It was probably a little thing, and yeah. they made it a big issue where all of a sudden the whole thing gets squished instead of just, oh, I yep. just don't like that one thing that's a little bit taller. Yeah, yeah so, and the thing, yeah. For, the thing for me, again, is that like ultimately I did get to keep part of it but that was only because I persevered yeah. right like for it took me nine months to get them to let me have any any of it right and that's not I would not expect that that is a normal outcome a normal thing right mm -hmm. so yeah 
All right. Should we do favorite native plant? I was just looking yeah. at time. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was just looking at time. I was like, all right. Are we, you know, the funny thing is, I feel like we could talk about this probably for another hour. You did say you were free for another three hours. <laughs> so, I did. We get, <laughs> um, so, our last question is always the same question. It's a simple question, but at the same time, very difficult. What is your favorite native plant? Um, so, I recently found out that some of the things that I would have called my favorite native plant are actually not native to my county and I'm I don't I wouldn't say that I'm a purist but if I'm going to pick my favorite native mm-hmm. plant I'm going to it's going to be so I okay. celandine poppy was was one that I really loved and it's you know here in Virginia we've got a lot of different you know coastal piedmont all that stuff right so um and then I really love right that would have been a wild, great choice that would have yeah, been a great choice I, <laughs> I, I really really love them but um and I do have some but um and then wild blue flocks is really awesome right now um in in my area um and but and golden ragwort is one that is our champion here in Virginia because mm-hmm. of the stilt grass and all that. I mean, just everybody. What can I do to replace my English ivy? You know, you see the golden ragwort every time, right? Um, and in the summer, I really love New York ironweed because I can't grow it here. I I only have that tiny little strip, and I mm-hmm. love the purple, and I can't grow it. But my absolute favorite that I'm going to pick is just the common blue violet, the oh. viola sororia. Um, it pops up everywhere. If you leave your lawn, it'll be all over your lawn. It has beaten back liriope for me, um, snow on the mountain, ag- agapodium, um, chameleon plant. Um, and it just is just doing its thing, like just taking over my whole my whole backyard. And I and I really, really love it. So that's that's going to be it for me. I, has anyone chosen uh, pick that? I don't remember. Uh, uh, I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I don't think so. But that's a fantastic choice. Fantastic choice. All right. So this is – we always end the show. We we each take a turn with a final thought. So this is where we hand it over to you. We give you the floor. You can use the time however you'd like to – you want to filibuster. You can you can talk it out <laughs> yeah. for three hours. Um, but no, we hand it over to you. Go ahead. Okay. Um, yeah, I I just want to say that, that this is such a – personal topic it is because it was so emotional it is so difficult um and and all along for me i feel like we're wasting time right like we don't have time i don't have time to get this bill through we don't have time we've got to make these changes now um and and that really fed into my sense of urgency and not not being you know not being able to plan for the for the long run and it is really important um but not alienating people is really important. And I think that's, you know, one of the mistakes that, that I made and that I'm going to have to deal with going, going forward. Um, and, and again, if you can't fight this fight right now, that's okay. But tell me so that I can use your information, um, going forward, please, you know, uh, let someone know that you're having this problem, reach out to even just email your state legislator and say, Hey, listen, I really want to do this and I can't, and this is why. Um, and so, um, and I keep, keep planting native plants, I guess. Awesome. That is a wonderful thought. And, and I want to thank you for sharing and, and having this personal conversation with us because I know it's a, it's a lot for anyone to share. Mm -hmm. Um, and we definitely want you to give us updates as you move forward and as you feel comfortable with it so we can share with the audience. Like we mentioned, I think it was all fair that we would love to do a, a rooted discussions on this and have a few different sides that we can 
have a good conversation about it uh, from other people that are involved in other situations. But would you like to go, Tom? Yeah. Uh, and just as we were talking, I was thought of uh, two quotes that um, that I've heard throughout my life, and I don't remember who said the first one, but I remember who said the second one. Right. The first one is that um, is that politics is a popularity contest for ugly people. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and then the second one my dad said about um about just like township politics and all that and he's like you know a lot of there's not a lot of people who go into that just because they they like out of the pure goodness of their heart um there's a lot of people who there's some financial motivation to get into it or uh or they just like to feel powerful and that's as you're telling your story, Melinda. That's one of the things that kind of stuck out to me is that you have people who uh, this is a way they can kind of get a little bit of power in their life, and maybe they don't have that at home, or they don't have that in their job or other aspects, and it just makes them feel a little bit more important. And uh, and to be honest, they're probably trying to do something good at the same time, but uh, or at least started out that way. It's at yeah. least started out that way, and then it's just as it becomes it's. There's that whole Stanford. Why are we talking about this? There's that whole Stanford <laughs> prison experiment, and you had the guards and the. They're all college right. kids. You had the yeah. guards and the, but just that little bit of power. All of a sudden, the yeah. guards started going, going, getting too powerful, and the prisoners were too subservient. So it's just important when you're in these kind of conflicts that you have to understand what you're going up against and and that kind of stuff. And uh, but even though Melinda, you're you're journey hasn't necessarily ended in in triumph and not to say that's over uh it still has a positive outcome and sharing your story i think is going to inspire a lot of people who are traveling down the same road so no it was, it was good to hear even though it's not necessarily the outcome that we've wanted yet it's uh it's just an inspirational story i do have a question as tom was yeah. thinking is there a, a a length of time you can serve on the board no, uh, no. Not, in, not in my HOA. You no. know, and that's I, – I was thinking that that has to be difficult being put in a situation where sometimes you're always dealing with problems. And it may not yeah. be a problem to you, but it's it's a problem to other people. You're, you're constantly dealing with problems and you're mm -hmm. mediating. And over time, that, that wears. Mm -hmm. and, Absolutely. And you can easily look at it negatively or it's hard to come – to the table and say, let's talk about a solution. Sometimes you're like, oh, I'm dealing with this again. All right, no, mm -hmm. no, yeah. no. And I, I have a feeling that has to happen. If you're on the board for 20 years, you've probably seen and heard yeah. just about everything and you've had to deal with it and you're just like, not again. I don't want to do this. And it's – I'm sure – that's like to me, I'm just getting anxious. I can feel like my shoulders tightening. <laughs> it's just, you know, because it's, it's no fun always – having to to mediate that um yeah you know that's what that's what i hear yeah so it's what i appreciate is you know it's it's amazing i guess my final thought is that it it's so i don't i don't know what word i want to use it's it's hard hearing how political just nature yeah. can be that it can't just yes. be it just can't be it's 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 political everyone has a different thought or ideology of what it consists of and there has to be some kind of common ground, and the only way we get there is by doing what we did today mm -hmm. and having a conversation. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping this conversation is heard, and it sparks more conversation, and it, it, it gets the wheel rolling in, in a positive way. 
um, that that we do get the outcome that we'd like. And I I I have a good feeling. I have a good feeling it will. Yep. So yep. Uh, thank you. I really appreciate that. I think those were all all really good valid final thoughts. Not that they're not. They always are. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Except for, I, except I for me sometimes. That, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Tom, why don't we why don't we close it All up? right. So that's gonna wrap us up to, for today. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening to Melinda. And Melinda, how do you pronounce your last name? I should have asked. Soltis. Soltis. That's exactly how I would have said that's it. That's how I would have said clarification. it. <laughs> you should have just went so, for it. <laughs> uh well, I didn't want to embarrass myself. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening to Native Plants Healthy Planet presented by Pinos Nursery. And uh, a little just follow-up on that is we're going to have that survey and some other stuff in the show notes yes. uh, after this comes out. So yes, if you want to participate, just go in the show notes in your, your uh, in the app. We'll have it on our website, nativeplantshealthyplanet.com, and then also in the – they show up in the Facebook. They show too, up yeah. everywhere. They're yeah. all over. Yeah, uh, I want to say thank you to the Egocentric Plastic Men for contributing our theme music. Make sure you stream or buy their music wherever you consume music. Um, you can follow us on Twitter at Pineland Nursery, Facebook at Pinelands Nursery NJ, Instagram at uh, Native Plants underscore Healthy Planet, or at Pinelands Nursery, and also at YouTube. Uh, you can view us at Pinelands Nursery. Don't forget about the question and comment line, 215-346-6189. I will repeat that, 215-346-6189. You can ask a question or leave a comment, and we'll do uh, the best we can to air it on a future episode of The Buzz and answer your question. And uh, let's not forget, the Native Plants Healthy Planet Facebook group went through a whole, like, I felt like I was approving members all weekend. Mm. So uh, it's crazy, and the conversations are always great over there, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, so you can buy Native Plants Healthy Planet merch at our website, www.nativeplantshealthyplanet.com. There's a link right at the top that takes you to our Teespring store. There's T-shirts, phone cases, aprons. I forget all the stuff I put up there. I did have another design I teased a while back that I haven't posted yet, but uh, I will be doing that soon. Um, and, again, we don't keep any of the profits. We have plans to go visit uh, Santino. We keep saying at Bowman's that. Hill. We had a we date, had a and date, he had and jury he had duty. Jury duty. <laughs> <laughs> and I have jury duty uh, as well. I think yeah. next week. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, um, so we'll be dropping off his check soon. But, uh, but yeah, we don't keep any of the profits for that. We give it to organizations that we feel are doing really good boots on the ground work with native plants. Um, you can listen to Native Plants Healthy Planet. Uh, in fact, you already are, but you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, really wherever consume your podcast. Uh, when you're there, do us a favor, leave us a five-star review, uh, hit subscribe if you haven't already. Those two things go a really, really long way into promoting the message of native plants on uh, the Apple Podcast charts. And um, if you do a little write-up with that review, I give you a shout-out on our Buzz episodes. So with that, thank you, everyone. I'm Tom. And I am Fran. Thank you again, everyone. Melinda, thank you. We really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Uh, next week, we have a buzz coming up, so make sure you tune in. And until then, keep it native. Thank you for listening to the Native Plants Healthy Planet Podcast, presented by Pinelands Nursery. Remember to like, share, follow, and comment.